Welcome to the JBug Podcast. Today is Thursday, July 15th, 2021, and today I would like to just talk about the atmospheric times that we're in. I really had this interesting feeling a little bit yesterday, and I'm feeling it again today. And the feeling I have is this feeling of sacredness. And so I'm not quite sure what it is I'm tapping into, if this is just my own um, physical um, experience that I'm, I'm like a personal experience, or if this has something to do with the current events occurring worldwide. Um, but I think it has something to do with the latter, because sometimes it seems like when things are getting more and more dark in the spiritual climate of the atmosphere, you draw closer to the light which is within you. I've thought a lot about how when society chooses beliefs, there's power in the beliefs society chooses. So we, the people, have a lot of power. And when the majority of people do not believe things that are right uh, and are on, on a path that they're lost, it becomes a situation where you have to be wise about speaking your truth because there is power in society. There is power in the majority of beliefs in the society. It's an unmentioned power. It's not that you walk around with law enforcement enforcing anything, but um, the, the power of popular opinion, it forges an atmosphere. It forges an environment. Just like you could have a certain type of weather outside that isn't safe. Um, it takes a lot to keep a sound mind. It takes being principled and it takes being virtuous. I do believe that the ability to have a sound mind is directly tied to the ability to maintain a certain sense of morality. And that morality hasn't declined in one day, not even in one generation. It's something that's been chipped away at by social engineers like the Tavistock Institute and other such research institutions. Even the behavioral scientists that came out of the Third Reich studying how to control people um, from the point of view of popular belief. We've got propaganda, which can push people to... Um, that can create a certain climate in the culture. And that climate, once it's been created, is very powerful. And the feeling that I have lately, as I um, see more and more of the things that the so-called authorities are putting out, maybe medical authorities or those who claim to have investigative authority because of their past, their history, and their accolade in the world, the type of logic that they use wouldn't pass even basic IQ tests. I remember getting a flyer in the mail from our local health um, officials, and it explained how if you don't get the vaccine, you won't be able to go outside without washing your hands and 
wearing a mask and social distancing, which is not, not logical. That's a correlation. And um, if you take an IQ test, they'll oftentimes have a question in there. And the question will say something like, you know, if A equals B, and if B equals C, does A equal D? And you have to be able to be rational, rational enough to say, given the facts that I have, I am unable to jump to this conclusion if I'm purely making a rational judgment. Now, I don't believe that rational judgments are the only way to form judgments, nor should they be. But the emotional climate can be something that is either healthy for a community or unhealthy. And it seems to me that the principles whereby authorities are coming forth and declaring what they believe is rational judgments, which wouldn't pass basic IQ tests, <laughs> um, which, which claim to make a cause and effect situation when really they're not taking into account that there's a million, million different judgments you could make besides and in addition to the one that they're claiming is rational. Um, they limit creativity in that regard and they limit people's ability to um, be resourceful in making judgments and in making conclusions and that limits creativity. And when you limit resourcefulness and creativity, then it's a way of a psychological prison that it puts over people. When people feel like they aren't free to make their own choices because of the political climate and the social climate around them, it, the slavery is, is not much unlike the slavery of real chains and fetters. They're just unseen and it's enforced by the cultural environment. And so I feel like that this environment is squeezing itself in on, on society. And the more it squeezes itself onto society, even if it uses irrational judgments that the society itself would agree is irrational, because you're part of that society, there's, there's, it's wise to recognize that there's limits in what you can do to break those um, types of um, atmospheric situations. So I'm comparing it to an atmosphere because while we all have freedom, we also need to recognize the weather around us and whether it's safe or not and whether you should stay inside or whether you should venture out. I'm feeling more and more lately that the environment is such that it's one where you almost have to stay inside in terms of sharing what you really believe and feel. Not because it's what you believe and feel is irrational in any way, but because of the cultural atmosphere. Because of the accusation of de delusion. If you have certain beliefs that go against what people in society label as credible. Outside of the realms of judgment and rational thinking, but just based on the societal climate, what people think should be credible. And so, just like you would have a hurricane outside, you'd need to 
batten down the hatches and get inside. I feel like that there are some spiritual storms that we are weathering right now. They're making it very difficult to hold true to actual truth. We're all at different stages of learning. We're all at different stages of waking up and knowing the truth. And we've all been highly and heavily influenced by our environment. But I think the difference is you'll find there are some people who are willing to question their foundation, test it, if you will, and make sure that it's built on solid, rational thought, solid, rational judgments. And those who are willing to to do what others say and do what others think so that they can belong. And the need to belong is a very well-researched need. It's a very in- important human need. And um, one of the biggest things you can do to ostracize yourself from a community is to start ostracizing others. Because when you do that, you do create a conflict that people have to choose sides. And so what happens is, if you get a group of people ostracizing a group of people for their beliefs, for example, then the people being ostracized, they either have to fight back or they have to retreat. And if they're correct and they choose to retreat, then they won't have to retreat forever because history will de- will deem the truth the truth a foundation that is built properly will stand the test of time however in an environment where there are many people not built on solid foundations of of true principles and rational judgments they will if ostracizing begins then they're less likely i would say to be humble enough to be kind enough to allow those with different beliefs and opinions to be part of the group. And so sometimes without the desire, without really the desire to do this, what happens is those who are built on a foundation of truth, they end up having to retreat. And I don't know if you've ever watched a football game where your team is losing at first, but then they come back and win. But those are the most exciting games to watch. And and I think that that's the war on truth oftentimes follows that pattern. <laughs> where if you really believe in what's true, what happens is you'll suffer being ostracized for a little bit. As those who believe in what isn't true impose their need to belong a front ahead of the need to do the research to really put the work in because finding the truth requires hard work. It requires dedication. It it requires effort and research. And not everyone has time to do that. And and no one, you know, no one should be upset that they don't have time to do that. Many people are stretched to the limit in terms of how much time they have. But there are those that do have the time to do the research and they can share what they've learned with others who don't have that time. And, And the difference is, an honest seeker of truth will listen and um, 
just listen and give them a chance, give people a chance to speak their truth. But I don't see that today overall. In, in the overall climate, it seems that people have already chosen sides. And at that point, you have to accept defeat in the short term if you're being ostracized for your beliefs, especially when you've, you've humbly done the work to make sure that your beliefs are built on solid judgments. And the other thing you have to deal with is the heartbreak and the loss of realizing that those uh, uh, you love and know are building a foundation that will crack and will fall, that's built on the need to belong at the expense of the need to stand on true principles. And I remember listening to Celeste Solem. I believe she did an interview with Dave Hodges of The Common Sense Show, which he posted on YouTube. And it was about her experience with FEMA. And she talked about studies they did behavioral research studies that FEMA did about will people comply with, for example, will they comply with orders to um, round up people in a neighborhood, for example. And the studies that they ran showed that the majority of people will follow orders. Now, of course, we've got the milligram experiments that also show that people are generally willing to follow orders. And whether that's directly correlated to the need to belong or not, um, the point is that people generally um, will go along to get along at the expense of true rational morals and thinking and judgment. And that's not, that's, I, I like to prefer to think of that as something that's human nature as opposed to something that makes one group of people bad and one group of people better than the rest. It's just human nature. In human nature, in human groups, you will have a percentage of people who are willing to go along to get along, even if it's not true, because that's some sort of a part of human nature that has been studied and, and proved to be true. So what, what can you do about it? I think you have to prepare to let people go. You can't, sometimes you can't do both. You can't stand on true principles and belong. Sometimes you need to not belong in the short term. In the long term, you can prepare to be a leader because when people's foundations fall, if they see that you've built a foundation that's strong, then you know you can be of help to people as they learn from their experience that maybe they put their trust in the wrong places. But whether or not people live long enough to understand that they made a mistake or did something wrong or not, it's necessary in the short term to let them go and not um, hold on to people who are going to stay with the majority. And again, this is somewhat of a survival mechanism because it takes guts, it takes strength, it takes effort, it takes ability to be able to stand apart from the crowd. Um. You know, when I was in elementary school, we did a little experiment where every table had to make, with like five or six kids at each table, had to make a card. And one of the tables they did an assembly line, and the rest of the tables they did it on their own. And then they counted up how many cards they could make. And the table with the assembly line, I mean, they made exponentially more cards than the tables where everyone was trying to make their own card. And so I think this is a true principle that... When you work together with other people, 
you have a huge advantage. And so that becomes what you're up against. If you're, if you're going the way of exile because you want to stand on what you believe are true principles, you're up against that. You're up against the assembly line. You're up against that system that in the short term is going to be exponentially more productive. But should that system fall, and usually it's not because of the assembly line that's the problem, it's the morals and values of the people as a whole, as a culture, are in that assembly line such that when you get morals of people who don't believe in hard work and don't believe in, in morality and chastity and virtue and these things, um, it will start to crumble and fall. And then as that goes down, those people who do know how to make things on their own and, and to have self-sufficiency, all of a sudden they're in a position to create the next community. So right now, I think that is a chance and an opportunity for people to understand that they are perhaps being called to separate from loved ones or separate from communities and learning how to keep their mouth silent when people uh, want to ostracize those with different beliefs so that they can recognize that this is a longer strategy situation than just feeling like you don't belong. This is a situation where ultimately if you're right and only history can determine that, then you'll be in a position of help and ability to help others when the time is right. You can't force people to have an awakening. You have to wait for them oftentimes to hit rock bottom. And then when they do, then they can come back if they want and if they're humble enough and, and admit that you were right. <laughs> so, and, and of course, you know, that's not going to happen for a lot of people because a lot of times it does take more than one generation to, to learn the lesson sometimes. Sometimes we don't know the truth about how ugly a situation was until it is a history story and we can actually look at it with non-biased judgments because it's a generation later and they didn't actually live in it. They're just spectators. So I'm always in favor of creating an environment with love and harmony. And so sometimes in order to do that, you've got to be the one that's quiet in the group and be the one that allows other people to have their beliefs and recognize that when you start to see the signs of ostracization for people's beliefs, that's when people care more about belonging than building their foundations on truth. And when that happens, then you know that something's going to fall. And so take heed to the signs. Take heed to the signs of the weather, of the climate, that ostracization is a predecessor to collapse. Because people who truly want what's right and what's true and what's rational, they don't want to ostracize people. They want to learn from people. Um, this, this culture of ostracization happens in church. It happens in politics. It happens in families. It happens in marriages. Uh, I've, I've, I, I love to join groups. I love to join forums. I love to talk with other people. 
um, about different subjects. But I've noticed that as I've done that, I've, I've been met with ostracization often. Not because I said anything wrong. Not because I broke the forum rules. As opposed to like, not because I was making personal attacks at anyone. But simply because I was sharing my ideas. Right? <laughs> that was what got me kicked out. Simply for sharing my ideas. And I know we all like to look at ourselves and say, well, I would never do that. <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think it is human nature that we do that sometimes. And when people have ideas that are rational, but go against the grain, it causes tension because it threatens people's need to belong. Because ultimately what we have is a culture where people are, are willing to sacrifice what's rationally right and what's morally true for the community and when you have that type of a system it has no choice it's going to go down eventually it will that system will have to be destroyed because if you don't build on truth you you will fall eventually um in jeremiah 31 it says how in the la in the you know in the days of peace you know in the days of the new earth when christ reigns for a thousand years as king People won't tell their neighbor, know ye the Lord. Everyone will have the word of God, the word of God written in their heart. And in order to have a healthy, stable culture, we have to let people stand on their own two feet in terms of believing what they want, having freedom of speech. Freedom of speech isn't just a political right. It ought to be a communal right. It ought to be something that, you know, in my church, in my marriage, in my community, I get to speak about what I believe because I care about the truth. And of course, personal attacks is not is not included in that freedom of speech. But the ability to share your truth and share your ideas, you ought to be able to do that without fear of ostracization. And, and when you do fear ostracization, you know that you're among people that no longer stand on truth. They've compromised truth for one reason or another. So it's it's one way of determining, you know, am I part of a cult? Am I part of a, an organization that's trying to harm me when they look like they're good on the outside? Well, do they allow you to speak your truth? Or do they force you to believe the way they want you to believe? If they're forcing you to believe the way they want you to be, be then they're trying to control you. And, and that's outside of the truth because if it truly was the truth then somebody speaking their beliefs wouldn't threaten the truth it would allow the truth to be better defined the ability to get together and share ideas with other people is extremely 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 powerful and it's protective of the community the more people willing to share the way they think the smarter the people can become. Even if you have wolves in sheep's clothing, if they're, if the wolves are speaking what they think, wouldn't you rather that than for the wolves to be quiet? <laughs> because if they're speaking what they think, then you have a chance to find what they're saying that's not true and counter it with the truth. So a culture that undermines people's rights and it doesn't it doesn't have to be like a political error because if you create a community platform you can make your own rules right but if in that you are adhering to false rules like let's censor people who don't say what we like you to say 
then you can be sure that uh, they're unwilling to battle for what's true. They're more willing to battle for, well, who knows what their real motive is, really. If they don't want the truth, then what is it they want? You know, the, the, an the question can't be answered, really. <clears throat> the good thing about truth is that it's fair. The truth is fair. If, if I'm playing with blocks and I stack my blocks so that they fall down, it's because I did it incorrectly. And it's not personal to me. It would have happened to anybody who did it the same way I did. You know, truth is non-personal. It's non-judgmental. It's non-biased. It is true regardless of people's emotions and desires. And that's why it's so important to give people freedom of speech. I have been a fan of a certain person for a very long time, many years. And recently I've felt a lot of unease about some of the things this person believes. And so I, in the community I was in, I voiced these feelings. And I was told that because I disagreed with this person, that I didn't belong in the group. And I was also demeaned, and I was said, well, you just don't understand yet, which could be true. Um, but if it's true, then shouldn't you give me a reason why it's true? Um, so name callers and liars, they use those methods to put people down who are honest seekers of truth. They'll say, well, because you don't think the way the leader thinks then you're a danger to our community and you've got to leave. Or you're just too stupid to know for yourself. And meanwhile, they can't give you any good arguments as to why you're wrong. As to They can't debate you on, on what you believe. The other thing I know is that when people are wrong and they know that they're wrong and they, on some level, they know that they're lying to themselves. They get very angry. This is a study that's been done on hypnotized people. That when somebody's hypnotized to do something and they're hypnotized to forget that they were hypnotized, if you try to ask them anything about the time frame that they were hypnotized in, they get quite agitated because on some level they know that they had just been controlled. They had just been abused mentally. They had just been psychologically interfered with. Though they don't understand what happened in their conscious mind, on some level they do know that they're not whole, that they're not single-minded. That evidence of being double-minded is born fruit, bears the fruit of anger. So I've learned that when I find myself getting angry, that this is a sign that I'm actually wrong and I need to stop and I need to listen and I need to, to research and learn more because there's something more I need to learn. When you get really angry and upset at someone else's beliefs, it could be a sign that you're not being true to your own beliefs. You're just not aware of what it is that you're not being true to. And oftentimes the anger also comes from the need to belong. It comes from a legitimate human need. And that is why we compromise our moral values and our truth so that we can belong. But in doing so, we lose our soul. As Jesus said, why would you gain the world if you were to lose your soul? So the journey of finding true principles and living on true principles is not about 
listening to some sort of a leader that has the facts that you don't have. It's really about having the freedom to speak. It's having the freedom to disagree. It's having the right to disagree and the right to be able to disagree without being ostracized. When a society wants you to obey rules, they need to be able to have rational reasons as to why, and they need to allow you to consent to them. For example, the speed limit and the stoplights. For society to ask that everyone obey those rules is completely rational, and because it's rational, most everybody agrees to them. And of course, if there are those who don't, they end up getting themselves harmed. And so there's evidence right there that it's a good rule because it really does protect people. But if people, people shouldn't be forced to consent to a rule system. And they ought to have the chance to fail. Because how else can we learn and be strong if we're not given the chance to fail? If we're not given the chance to say, I believe this and I'm going to um, live in this truth. And, you know, you could say, well, you're crazy because you believe in God instead of science. This is the science. How dare you believe in God and not the science? And you can say, well, hold on just a minute. I have the right to believe in God if I want to. And if you're going to criticize me or punish me because of my beliefs... Then let's just, let's just see. Time will tell, right? You have the right to learn by your own experience. In the interest of protecting you from yourself, no authority should be taking your rights away because they have deemed you as delusional because you ought to have the right to learn for yourself. And this concept is used over and over again with people in our society in the Western culture, especially well in, in many cultures, that if you disagree with the science and with the authorities and with the government, that you're labeled delusional. And so in the interest of protecting you from yourself, they take your rights away. But this is abominable because you have the right to make mistakes and learn from your, your failures. It's better for you to be able to learn that way than to be forced to be protected from yourself according to what someone else believes when that someone else is not God, is not omnipotent, and never will be. Our beliefs are private, and our beliefs are a human right to have. I fear that we are continuing to enter a social climate where our rights are, are not understood. We don't understand why we have freedom of speech. We don't understand why we have the right to believe in God if we want to. In a world where it's so secular that we say, well, you shouldn't even believe in that because that's crazy. But we don't understand the principle that even if it is crazy, they should still have the right to believe that way. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. People ought to be able to believe what they will. So, <clears throat> if it does hurt other people, then people have the right to defend themselves the best way they know how. And, of course, the best way to defend yourself is to speak the truth. <laughs> um, it seems to it seems that we live in a culture and an environment where true principles that are supposed to bring forth good fruit are being slightly perverted such that they do the opposite. And I think we need to be aware of that and see that when it's happening uh, and recognize that people have the right to believe what they may. And you can't make an association or a correlation or a statement 
that you say is fact and force the other person to accept it without their consent. So if you come together and say, okay, we're going to make a law that you can't steal your neighbor's cow. <laughs> Both people in that community can consent to that. All of our laws are based on common law, which is consent of the governed. So if one person says to the other person, if you don't, if you don't uh, take this medical proposement that I propose, then you're harming me. And the person that you're saying this to disagrees with that, they have the right to disagree with that. And you cannot force your will on them um, without violating their right. And, they, and if you're violating, violating their right without their consent, they do have the right to defend themselves. Just like a mother bear has the right to defend her cubs if she thinks someone's going to um, come near them and, and threaten them, right? So in a healthy society, you can't make laws for everybody without people's consent. And that is why we are free. Freedom comes before a community law and order system. And I'm not saying community law and order system is bad because if I'm driving down the road too fast... And it's dangerous. And the police say, you're going too fast. I'm giving you a ticket. I would say, you're right. I consent. And I'll pay the ticket because you're right. I was going too fast. It was dangerous. It was absolutely the truth. And when you have moral and principled people coming together and consenting to true laws and true principles, then you can flourish. But what creates a society of moral and principled people? Well, I, I would like to venture off and say it's because of, not venture off, but venture forward to say that it's virtue, it's morality, it's truth. You know, if, if I take care of my kids with love, then, you know, should I be surprised when they turn around and treat their brother with love or their sister with love? You know, people, we're communal <laughs> and we do have the need to be nurtured and to nurture others because when we nurture others, it activates the same feeling that we had when we were nurtured and it brings an environment of love, an atmosphere of love. It brings good weather and harmony to the environment. And so we need to create an environment where we nurture each other. Even if we disagree with each other, we can still nurture each other. We can bring each other in and say, you belong. Even if you disagree, you belong. Now, there's going to be people who make rules and say, but you can't. You're a danger to us. Well, they have the right to make that rule. And then it just becomes a matter of survival of the fittest. Unfortunately, you know, the basics of survival is survival of the fittest. Now that needs to be balanced with love and nurture because there's no point in surviving without love. That's why we're here is to love. That's the purpose of life. If you haven't found that purpose of life, then you haven't been saved yet and you're poor in spirit. Eventually, everyone's going to understand the purpose of life is love. And that's why I keep going back to virtue. Virtue is so important. Morality is so important. It is in the bounds of virtue that you develop love, that you develop nurturing, that you develop kindness, that you develop compassion, that you get to serve and be served. In a family environment, you get to serve and be served. That's what love is. It's about giving and receiving so that everyone can be edified, so that you can develop those assembly lines and you can produce and have abundance exponentially. And that's the environment we've had for many years in America on the, on the earth as we've had moral principled um, families 
moral and principled values and belief systems built on the Bible, built on chastity, built on the Ten Commandments. And I, I do fear that we're getting lost as a society because we're not understanding that there's spiritual implications to breaking the Ten Commandments. Those Ten Commandments were given to keep harmony in society, not to hurt us or control us. And you don't have to do it if you don't consent to it. But why wouldn't you consent to something that's going to be good for you? That's going to bring you joy. The happiest times that you'll probably ever have in your life in the dynamic of giving love in a marriage. You know, experiencing that giving and receiving of pleasure so that you can orgasm. So that you can um, depend on someone. Learn how to depend on someone and also learn how to serve in a family dynamic. Every person has a role in the family to serve and to help and to love and to grow, to receive and to give. And it's a beautiful thing. Why would you want to destroy that? Why would you want to be against that? Why would you want to teach young women to have sex without that love and, and commitment? And to risk getting pregnant? Because the pregnant, the risk is less now that you can use some forms of birth control that are not 100% effective. Why would we want to do that to our young women? We wouldn't. I mean, this is contrived. This is, this is an unhealthy system that's being perpetuated. Why, why would you want to teach people to be something that they're not? You know, if the most happy experiences you could have if you're a woman is through orgasm in a marriage... And the most wonderful experience you can have as a man is through climax in a marriage situation. Why would you want to tell someone that they're not really a man or that they're not really a woman? Why? It has nothing to do with not judging people. It's, it has some, something to do with what's going to make you happy in your life. What's going to bring you joy in your life? What happens when all the men are gay in a society? Who are the women going to marry? How are the women going to love and, and give and receive in their, in their future? Who's going to marry them? Who's going to take care of them and provide for them? Who's going to give them the chance to be mothers and take care of a baby? If all the men are gay in the society, why would we as a society promote that? Like, I get that people can do what they want to do. I get that. I get that we can't control people. But Why? Why can't we have a debate on it? How come if I want to say, but I'm actually for traditional marriage and I think that society ought to support that through, you know, if someone wants to get married in a traditional sense, they can throw a wedding reception, you know, it can be a communal celebration. Why wouldn't I want to celebrate that? Why wouldn't I want to promote that? Because society has power. Society's beliefs creates an atmosphere that's either safe for growth and resiliency and for production and love and harmony or that's dangerous or you got to batten down the hatches and you know that it's dangerous because you can't even get up and say what you think without being labeled a homophobe, without being labeled a racist, without being labeled um, a delusional person for believing in God. Well, none of that makes sense. That type of behavior is, is ostracization. And if all those things you said were true, and, and sometimes, a lot of times, they do have true things to say. 
you know, if you let's have a conference and talk about and reminisce about the things that the black community had to go through just to survive and the, the, the campaigns that were made against their survival, let's tribute that. Let's build up the strength in the people among us, right? What about the person who's struggling with being transgender? What about the person who's struggling with being gay? You know, we can listen to them and we can have compassion. We can say, tell me more about what you're going through. I want to hear more about your story. I want to hear more about your situation. And I accept you and your belief system. And how do we get along as a society with different beliefs? Sometimes we can't resolve it. Sometimes there's going to be different beliefs we cannot resolve. But does that mean we have to ostracize each other? We can be for including people and their beliefs while we don't have to agree with them. Faction in a society makes a society stronger. Because if there's a bunch of people in society who believe in being homosexual is the way to go, then... Those people who disagree with that can only get stronger by engaging with those who disagree with them. And they may not find a conclusion. They might not be able to resolve it. But the faction is important. As long as there's not ostracization. As people are allowed to have their beliefs and be respectful of each other's beliefs. And try not to feel persecuted when other people don't agree with you. Try to still show each other affection. Show each other kindness. And I think that the conservatives, the, uh, the Bible thumpers and the gun, you know, what are they? Those clinging to their Bibles and their guns. They're just as much to blame as to messing up on this as, as those that they disagree with. Both sides are to blame. Both sides practice ostracization. And at least... If they don't practice ostracization, they're not making that known to the other group well enough. They're not doing a good enough job saying, hey, I love you. I respect you and I have an immense amount of affection for you. And I'm willing to interact with you, to do business with you, to talk to you and to understand you. Even though I disagree on this argument, even though I disagree on this principle. And we can set up research. We can do more experiments. We can find more answers. It's in not having a complete agreement on things that those factions create the ability for a society to transition and to make huge leaps in paradigm shifts so that we can have answers in the future that we don't have now. There's answers that we need to have now that we don't have. And the way we find those answers is to look at the paradigm problems. Look at the arguments, look at the conflicts that society is dealing with. And you can start to see that there are true principles that we are grappling with bringing forth to life for the betterment of the community. If you have any thoughts or opinions, please give a comment on one of my articles on my reflections or current events or other pages on my blog, jbucker.com. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.